You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. Like. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? We've got another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Today, we are going to be talking about the running back position, what we got right and what we got wrong from the 2020 season. Dennis, Matt are both here with me. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. It's my weekend. I've got three days off, but it's cold and snowy and kind of miserable. I've been looking forward to this all day. Uh, On the plus side, I got huge credit for my anniversary in September. I, like, won the lottery. My uh, wife saw my whiteboard and my note about the uh, anniversary. And then she proceeded to book us for 13 days in Hawaii, and I got credit. Very nice. Very nice. Did I say that last week? I don't know. I keep repeating it. So if you've heard heard it before. (laughs) Hey, this might be the uh, one weekend where all of us wish we were in Hawaii right now based on the climate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we sure. uh, we went there on our our honeymoon, and we've talked for years about going back. And you know, we had kids, and we had talked about wanting to take the kids. And they're both huge history buffs, so we're going to spend uh, some time on uh, Oahu, go to Pearl Harbor, and check that out. Uh, then we'll go to uh, the Big Island. Uh, we were on Maui and Kauai when we were out there for our honeymoon. So this time we'll go on a couple of uh, the bigger islands that have. 
stuff for the kids to do, lots of things to see. So I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah. And I get I credit. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the best part of the story right there. But yeah, it's, Hawaii yeah. is definitely a beautiful place. Yeah, it'll be nicer than any of our homes this weekend. Uh, I think we're all in the polar vortex. We are. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, I don't know. If you guys don't see us, if you guys don't see us Monday, send help for me, especially because I, I don't know how I'm gonna survive the 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 weather that they say is coming my way. It's been a long time since I've seen anything like this. Gonna get what down to forty. No, actually, I was telling Matt right before that I karma came back and bit my ass after uh, me making a joke about that last week. So it's 20 degrees right now, and they're uh, they're projecting an actual blizzard in Texas on Monday. They're saying negative 15 degrees and everything. I guess the storm that's about to hit Matt, oh, there we go, Matt, on Saturday is coming to Texas right after them. So, yeah, not, uh, not great times. And my boss this morning was like, oh, yeah, well, I mean – be here on time like make sure to get up earlier and i'm like oh yeah right yeah so anyways we are going to be talking about the running back position if you guys listened last monday me and matt did this with the quarterbacks not going to go and talk give full analysis on every play but we're going to kind of just give you guys the our thoughts on what they did this past year and what we expect them going forward who kind of came close who who was uh way off and i'll preface this as i did last monday by saying we did these ranks in june so cut us a tad bit of slack we we did this before they even talked about not having a preseason and then not having a preseason and we, we uh based these off of fantasy pros as well we went off who they how they had the players finish based on fantasy scoring so the number one running back was Alvin Kamara. Wouldn't be a shock with uh, obviously one of his last, I believe it was technically for most people, his last game in the fantasy season in week 16 with, uh, what was it again? Five touchdowns, six, hundred six touchdowns, a hundred something yards. So massive. And he was robbed. Oh yeah. Right now, yeah I know of another Jason one, right Hill took one. Yeah. Uh, so we, he came in as, one, uh, both Matt and Dennis were very close to him, and I talked about this on the ad episode as well. That I we I consider anywhere within like five very close. It's very hard to get the exact number correct. Not even some of the best in the business do that. So Matt and Dennis were both very close on that, having him at four. I had him at seven. So my thought on the the New Orleans Saints offense not being quite as good was uh, dead wrong. But the big question now well, is Kamara. They weren't quite as good. But you were just wrong about what part. Would be well, that, that's true. I thought Michael Thomas was going to continue to ball out. That did not happen at all. The big question with Kamara is obviously Breeze. We all believe he's leaning towards retirement. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston right now seem to be all the rumors about one of those two guys being the quarterback of the team. What are your guys' thoughts on if either one of those quarterbacks becomes a quarterback, what that does for Alvin Kamara and his value in Dynasty? Well, I think that it's going to be Winston uh, as the quarterback. I think they want to re-sign him. Uh, I think Taysom Hill's role is going to stay exactly the way it is. He's paid to be a weapon, much to my chagrin, uh, but I don't think he throws the ball well enough consistently to be a a big-time quarterback. And I I feel like they want Winston to stay there and – that helps that I think that keeps the offense as close to status quo as, as it can be. It, it'll push the ball downfield a little more um, just because Winston, I think has a bigger arm than Breeze ever had. Uh, it, it could lead to some turnovers too, because that's who Jameis Winston is. 
but I would like that move. Um, I, I would like it for my Michael Thomas shares. I think that maintains Alvin Kamara doing what he's doing. He'll be a top five running back next season as well. Uh, and, you know, it comes down to is, does Troutman replace Cook? Uh, or is it Trout? No, is yeah, Troutman is in uh, New Orleans. Uh, who's going to step up and be the number two? Is it going to finally be Trey Quan Smith? After everybody calling for it for three years, uh, you know, I think Sanders is moving uh, along the Larry Fitzgerald pathway. So that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I think Kamara is still going to be a top five, uh, no matter which of them is. He had a couple of rough games when Taysom Hill first took over, but um, you know, we saw him have some better games down the stretch. We saw Michael Thomas have some of his best games of the season when Hill was in there. So I think either of those two guys, you know, though Kamara is, is a great player, you know, a versatile player, but I would probably worry about if they went with somebody like Hill, as opposed to Winston as the receptions. Um, Cause we definitely just didn't see the kind of running back dump off uh, receptions, but that could even be a concern potentially depending on what they do with Winston, because I think Kamara got a ton of dump offs early because, as Dennis pointed out, Breeze wasn't really throwing it down the field. If they go down the field more, does that reduce his target share? But still, that wouldn't be enough for me to knock him out of RB1 range, probably top five. Yeah, I think – fuck it. I'm still saying he's finishes at like seven next year. No, he'll probably be top five. I, I think I, I'm with Dennis though. I'd like to see I'd like to see Winston get the job. I just maybe maybe Sean Payton's going to be able to help coach some of those turnovers instead of throwing five. He throws like two or three. Uh, but I do think he'd be the better fit for that offense. I think Taysom Hill is perfect in the role they use him in. Like I I think he is a great weapon. I don't know if he's ever really going to be a quarterback, but I think if they keep him. And that, I mean, you've seen some of the interviews from Sean Payton talking about that too. Like, we still don't really know what we have in, in Taysom Hill. He's 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 an offensive weapon. So I, I would be intrigued to see what they end up doing with him. I would think, from, and just in my opinion, that Winston would be a better fit for that offense. But it's going to be – they're definitely one of the interesting teams with quarterback along with a bunch of others as we talked about on last Monday's episode on what could or could not happen here going into a very weird offseason. So number two was Dalvin Cook. I had had him at four. Both of you two had him at five, so we we're all fairly close on him. Not really much changing for Dalvin Cook. They're getting a new offensive coordinator, but with as good as he is, I don't expect that to change much for him. Um, their offensive coordinator him. is Kubiak's son, so I wouldn't yeah. expect much to change in general. Yeah. You know, they're about to become a high-flying pass offense, just you watch. And then he's going to get fired by week eight by Mike Zimmer. I mean, they were a high-flying pass offense. It's very true. Very true. Derrick Henry. Oof. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize I was that wrong. <laughs> Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry comes in as running back three. I had him at 11. Both Dennis and Matt had him at seven. I guess he's my Tom Brady of quarterbacks. I just need to stop doubting the dude. He's going to be a good running back. Uh, I think Henry, what's going to be interesting to me, and I don't know how much this matters, but obviously losing Arthur Smith, he leaves as their offensive coordinator to go to Atlanta to be their head coach. I would imagine this offense is still going to be built around Derrick Henry. What are you guys looking at him as in a dynasty value, like buy sell kind of area for you guys? Are you still 
say you're a contending team right now, you still wanting to hold him for a couple more years. You're trying to get out, you know, the, what's the saying you want to sell a year earlier instead of holding on for a year too long or whatever it is. So what are your guys thoughts on Henry? Well, if I'm a contending team, it, what are my options? You know, I'm certainly not going to get rid of him to bring in a rookie. You know, I I'm going to keep Derrick Henry. He's established. Uh, did they did uh, Tennessee name a new OC yet? I don't uh, think so. Don't I'll, think so. I'll, I'll, I'll look, but I don't remember seeing one. So, I regardless of who it is, I don't expect it to change a whole lot. Their game plan. I think Vrabel is going to bring in somebody that that is going to continue to do what Arthur Smith was doing because it's successful. So Henry is still going to get. You know, I don't. To me. It's all about what's the replacement. If, if I'm going to replace him with, you know, if I drafted James Robinson last year or picked him up off of waivers and I can move Henry for two first and, cause, because Robinson was my third running back and I've got, you know, somebody else as a stud, then, then maybe I'll move him. But I'm not going to take, you know, I, I'm not letting him go on the cheap. I, he's at the, he's at his peak right now, and there are just some players that when they're performing at a level, you ride it out. You know, if you had Todd Gurley three years ago, you, you rode it out and you wrote you you rode it to the bottom. And, and sometimes you just sell cheap. Some people die. You know, some fruits die on the vine, and I'd be okay if that's Derrick Henry for me. If I'm going to get two more top five seasons, top eight seasons out of him, and then a couple RB2 seasons, I don't see any reason to sell him unless somebody just blows you away. Yeah, and I don't think they're changing their offensive scheme unless they're wholesale changing their offensive players and head coach because they've had a couple of different offensive coordinators under Mike Vrabel. The thing that's remained consistent is their approach to how they're going to play. I think it works for them. You look at these top three running backs, Kamara, Cook and Henry, I think going into this season, the biggest question for a lot of them was their long-term future in terms of trying to gauge dynasty value, not their talent or their situation they're in. We saw all three of them sign long-term deals, uh, giving you know some security to dynasty owners. If you're a contender, I think you're you're keeping and rolling with Henry. I'm I'm a little bit with you. I think he's a guy we tend to undervalue a little bit just because he's he's not a flashy receiver or something. All he does is go out there and run for like. 400 yards and over nine people a game, you know? Yeah, I think if I could get two first, like Dennis was just mentioning, which might be possible, if, if maybe you're like a middle-tier team or even if you're a team that's contending and you may think you can you can still contend without Henry and you can move him for that, I'd do it. I, 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 just, I feel like I'm, I don't want to keep doubting him. So I do, I do definitely think he'll still be good next year, but I, I wonder how much longer he can take a beating like this. Now, granted, he's built different than most running backs. That dude's an absolute freak. So maybe he can keep going for another three or four years. 
this is probably the most surprising one. And and just guessing off the way I'm looking at some of these lists is going to be the guy we probably got the most wrong. And that is David Montgomery, who obviously had that massive surge on the back half of the season, helped win some people some championships. He ends up finishing the year as running back for just like Dennis predicted a couple years ago. David Montgomery was going to be phenomenal in this class. He finally comes through and pulls it off. However, none of us, unfortunately, believed in him when we did our rankings. I had him at 24. Dennis had him at 25. And Matt, you had him at 21. I, I'm personally did we not, not believe in Montgomery or did we not <laughs> yeah. believe in Nagy, Foles, and Trubisky? That's I mean, what I'm going to cop to. Yeah, it's the I, Bears. I do, I do think that obviously losing Cohen in like week one mm. probably helped him a lot as well because he definitely got a lot more pass catching this year than well, but at least also, I expected him to get. He was tracking the first half of the season to be right in line with where we projected yeah. him. And then the second half of the season, they sort of changed what they were doing on offense, played a softer schedule, and he exploded. I think the reality of him is – if they're going to commit to giving them the ball and the rumors that they're potentially trading Cohen as part of that package to get Wentz makes you think that they, they liked what they saw from Montgomery. I still wouldn't have him up in the top five yeah. for next year. I'm probably high end RB two, low end RB one. If they're going to commit to that usage, I think he did benefit from a favorable schedule and massive injuries at the position. I mean, that's part of yeah. the reason we, we were all correct. Probably. Well, not you. About Kamara being like four, you didn't expect CMC, Barkley, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott to all die. You know. Yeah. So that that changes a little bit where these guys are going to land. Yeah, I was going to say from I'm right there with you. I think probably just guessing right now, I probably have them somewhere in the ten to fifteen range. Not counting rookies because there is one rookie I would put ahead of him. But outside of that, he's probably in the ten to fifteen range for me. Dennis, where where, you, where would you have him right now? I, I'm probably going to be 12 to 16, somewhere in that range, just thinking off the top of my head. I, You know, he was one of those cases where in July and August that fantasy analysts were saying, look, when David Montgomery starts slow for the first three or four games, trade for him then because his schedule is so favorable. And it worked out. Uh, oftentimes the schedule is favorable, but the player doesn't rise to meet the challenge. Some of it was Cohen being gone. I don't know that Cohen's receiving was going to necessarily affect uh, Montgomery that much. It would have affected his receiving uh, his target some. But Montgomery, he delivered. Uh, and that's yeah. what you're supposed to do. I, I feel like he's probably got a couple years of RB2 in him and that's really where he's going to be uh you know he's not as explosive as you would like doesn't have long speed but he you know the second half of the season he was breaking off you know 8 or 9 yard runs and those add up pretty quickly and his hands yeah, are pretty I'm, good he does have good hands yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I remember that's one of the biggest things we talked about why we liked him so much when he was coming uh, out of college. What's going to be interesting to me is obviously who ends up getting who ends up becoming the quarterback for them and his future wise, I guess if Matt Nagy finds a way to save his job after this year if they end up bringing in a new offensive coaching staff. So number 
five here. Aaron Jones. I had him at nine. Dennis, you had him at 13. Matt, you had him at eight. So me and Matt both right around the same range. Dennis really just a couple spots below us. I think a lot of that, if I'm remembering correctly, was touchdown was so good last year. We expected his touchdowns to go back, and they really didn't go back that much, at least not as much as we right. thought. But he is trending right now toward being a free agent. Green Bay is – has some cap room, but not a lot. Doesn't look like they're likely going to franchise tag him. If uh, Is there a place that you'd like to see him land? Is it back with Green Bay, or is there another team you'd like to see him go to? I mean, ideally, yeah, you'd like him to be in Green Bay. Uh, he knows the offense. He knows the scheme. He knows the team. So in a perfect world, he definitely stays in Green Bay. That being said, you know, I don't know how much of a team-friendly deal he's going to be willing to give them. Uh, and, you know, Jamal Williams is a free agent. Is the better move for them to re-sign Williams at a cheaper deal and pair Williams and Dylan? You know, I don't know. That that may be the way they go. I, I'd love to see uh, Aaron Jones go somewhere where he gets a little bit more consistent work. And what what is he? He's going into his fifth year now. So yeah. maybe it just comes down to simply what we want versus what the coaches that coach him every day believe he can handle. There's just that big enough gap there that, that we want him to get more touches. And the coaches are like, yeah, we could give him 20 touches a game, but then you're going to end up you know, wearing him down because what he is, he's like 5'9 and 208 or something, 210. So well, he's he's sturdy. He's not he's not a giant back by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't know. I'd love to see him go somewhere like oh Atlanta, pair him up with Matt Ryan. You know, because Ryan will use him out of the backfield. There's like no chance of that though. I mean, they're like yeah, sixty million over the cap. That would be a. That would probably uh, be more of a dream for Arthur Smith, though, than what he's currently inherited. I, I'm with Dennis. I would. It would be nice to see him back in Green Bay, also for Aaron Rodgers, if they're going to actually make a serious Super Bowl run again. You know, I think if you go back to Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon, not that those guys aren't aren't are bad, maybe running backs. That you know, Dillon might be a better pounder than. Aaron Jones, but I think you lose some of that elusiveness and that passing game weapon. Um, I think, you know, Green Bay would take a step back. I've seen him linked to the Jets. I don't know what to make of that. You know, if the Jets ended up with Deshaun Watson and then signed Aaron Jones, you'd be like, well, there could be the makings of kind of a fun offense. You know, if he ended up with a team like the Bills, that could be fun. They're really close. They have a good passing offense. Having a decent running back seemed to really hold them back in the playoffs. Um, Matt can just plug his ears for a minute, but Pittsburgh to me, uh, that's no. a team they've mentioned. I think fantasy wise, that could be an incredible fit. I think he's an upgrade over James Connor might get closer to what they had in a levy on bill. No, I love Aaron Jones. I'd love to see him go to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pittsburgh's going down. I worried about them. Kings of the North right here, right, right there, right there. So no, uh, I actually would hate the Jets just because that's that's Matt LaFleur's brother, and I feel like he would use Aaron Jones the same way Matt's using him in Green Bay. So then it would end up not even really helping him that much. But I actually do think the Jets 
uh, in all kidding aside, could be a good oh, spot. The I, other one, I've got 49ers. Oh, God, I'd love him to go to the 49ers. That, w- that would be the best spot. And, until they ended up bringing in, like, four other running back free agents as well and, and continue their rotating little room there. But number six, Jonathan Taylor. He was uh, – yeah, I, I came in the closest with him. I had him at 12. Dennis had him at 22. Matt had him at 17. Obviously, the big thing for him was Marlon Matt getting hurt, although Naheem Hine sure did his best to keep him off the field for a long time. And – Frank Reich, so Frank I think, Reich. being a little bit stubborn. Yeah. But he ended up getting on the field, much like David Montgomery had a massive second half of the season. I, I can't see there's any way he's not the guy moving forward. And, and with the way he plays running and catching the ball, I honestly don't even think it matters who they bring in at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, I had him at 22 um, because I, you know, I expected that the first half of the season – his touches were going to be impacted. I did expect he would overtake Marlon Mack, much like he overtook Naheem Hines, uh, but I did expect it to be that the touches would be lower the first half of the season, um, and, and that played out. Uh, but he just, like you said, he he performed when when he finally got the touches, he delivered the goods. Uh, I still think there's going to be a, a decent role for Naheem Hines. Uh, going forward, I think he's shown that he's that that there's there's a place for him on the field, regardless of who the quarterback and who the running back are. He can get out there. He's going to produce. Is he going to produce running back fifteen numbers next year? Probably not. I, I would say, but I wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me if he's a top twenty-five, top thirty running back next year. Yeah. Probably yeah, the biggest surprise. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, I just I think he'll be good too. The biggest surprise in the top twelve, a guy that none of us had ranked. If I'm remembering correctly, I know for sure I was believing in. Why did I, I can't remember his name now? He's Raquel. I heard he was. Yeah, he was still dealing with COVID issues, which is just horrible yeah. to hear because. That's it, but yeah, but yeah, I know. I believe both you guys were on Divine, right? That's who you guys no, thought I, was going to end up. I thought Armstead was. Oh, okay. Be the guy too. So we were all in on the wrong guy. I mean, I feel like our analysis was right with the way James Robinson played, but we were all on the wrong guy here. None of us had him ranked. He comes in as RB seven, and I think he's primed to continue to succeed. I mean, as Dennis and I know, as big Urban Meyer fans, the dude loves to run the ball. You're getting in a guy like Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. I think they've got a good offense around him. I don't know if I'd rank him as high as seven, especially with some of the injuries. There's a couple guys below him. I think you're going to get the ball more in, in like a Swift and Dobbins, so I think could jump him. But I honestly think just looking at the list right now, he's probably going to end up in my top 12 next year. Dennis, what are your thoughts on James Robinson with Jacksonville? I mean, they have so many other holes. Why are they going to spend draft capital and free agent money to bring in a running back when James Robinson produced the way he did this year? They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. Robinson is going to be the starter. You don't have to worry about it. He's functional on all three downs. He's a decent pass catcher, decent pass blocker, a good runner. Let them invest the money and the capital in linemen. I don't even think they necessarily need to do a whole lot with the wide receiver room. 
uh, with Chenault and Chark, and if they decide to bring back, you know, uh, Keelan Cole, you know, they'll uh, and they got Colin Johnson, who is a rookie this season, so they've got some depth. You know, they could use something at tight end. Uh, I don't think uh, Tyler Eifert's the long-term answer at tight end by any stretch of the imagination, but they need to, uh, you know, invest in that offensive line, invest in uh, making Trevor Lawrence the best. And part of that will be putting money in that defense to keep the offense uh, off the field. If that defense can get short fields, turn the ball over. Um, I, I like Robinson. I, I, I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, you know, Dynasty Rich did some research uh, a few weeks ago. I don't know if, uh, you know, there's not a lot of long-term repeats as a top five running back, top 10 running back. But, you know, he could put up a couple, three RB2 seasons going forward, and that's still a, a good value, especially where you got him. Yeah, that's it for me. If, as long as they don't bring in a bunch of competition, which hopefully they don't and they shouldn't, you know, probably in the 12 to 16 range for me. Running back eight was a little bit surprising to me because I don't really remember him having this good of a season, but was Josh Jacobs with the Las Vegas Raiders. I had him at 14. Dennis, I can't see where you had him at. Your name is blocking out your your ranking oh, there. I had there him we at go. 14. I, 12. Oh. Am I 14. Player? Yeah, uh, you're looking yeah, 14. at 12. And I had him at 15. So we were all a little bit lower on him. I think a lot of that came from they kept saying that they wanted to get him more involved in the passing game. At least for me, they kept saying they wanted to get him more involved in the passing game, but they never actually did it. Still ends up having a, a really good year. Finishes as a top 12 running back. And I feel like he's a lot like Derrick Henry for me. I just don't trust him. I'm not probably going to have him this high again next year. Uh, but I do think that Las Vegas offense has definitely looked a lot better this year than it has the past couple years. And I don't see that changing much. So I wouldn't sell on Josh Jacobs. And I don't think he falls much from this top eight spot. But he's probably going to be closer to 12 for me than eight. Matt, what do you think about Jacobs? Yeah, and I, I think he benefited in his position from injuries and volume. You know, I think uh, where we had him, 14, 15, makes a lot of sense. And probably if you don't see the top end guys getting knocked out, that is where he finishes. So how many targets would he have had to get to, I guess, meet our expectations? How many did he get? I honestly don't know. I don't have uh, the stats. No, that's not the question. I don't want you to look. I want you to decide what would have made what would um, have made you go. Hey, what number would you, would you say? Okay, if he gets X targets, he's producing in the passing game. Well, it's not about producing in the passing. It's not about the targets. It's actually doing something with the targets. But if mm. I don't know, seven, eight, I guess a game. Okay. I, mean, I feel well, like that's he got fair 45 ass. targets and 45 targets in 15 games. So, you know, he, he got three he caught 30, so 33 passes. Mm -hmm. So he caught 33 passes. So, you know, 15 more targets putting him up at 60 targets. That's only four a game. So you're saying you're saying 120 targets? Give or take. Well, that's, I mean, with the way that Las Vegas throws the ball, and they don't have like 
I mean, again, I, I'm not John Gruden. I don't think Richard or any of the other guys they have there are that good. If Josh Jacobs is your guy, let Josh Jacobs be your guy. We know that he can catch the ball. And that's always my biggest concern with him. Like how many – well, Nick Chubb missed a bunch of games. I was trying to think of a running back All who's right. kind of like in the same thing as him and how many targets he got to see the difference. So how many how many targets do you think Alvin Kamara had last season? Oh, I know he only had like 80 or 90 because he was trending toward that 73 because he went like three games in a row with nothing. Yeah, he, Kamara, who's widely considered one of the, the, the larger volume pass catching backs, only had 107 targets. So mm-hmm. I think to say 120 targets for Jacobs, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. That's fair. So then to me, 80, 90. So how much more was he short of that? Was it like 10, 15? Uh, about half. Hit about half. He had he had uh, 45 targets. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, but it's uh, – uh, well, go ahead, Matt. I, th- I think the real – so, you know, it's – is he going to get consistent touchdowns and stuff? When you look at his game logs, I think the reason you're surprised he finished that high is he only had two – Hundred yard games, you know he had he had some good games. He had some low games. He ended up getting twelve rushing touchdowns, which you know always buoys. As a rookie, he actually ran for more yards, but he only got seven touchdowns. He had his reception numbers haven't really moved. I think your comparison to Henry feels apt to me in that he's going to make most of his points as a runner. Yeah, is he going to get a lot of goal line opportunities? He seems to be the best that they have. They seem to like him. There, he seemed uh, one of the questions it seemed like when he was coming in as a rookie is he didn't have a ton of carries. He split a lot in Alabama. Could he handle a huge workload? He's seemingly done that pretty well. Uh, you know, he had 273 carries in 15 games. He held up pretty well. You know, he played through a major injury as a rookie and didn't really miss much time. I, I think he's borderline RB1, high end RB2. He, you know, depending on the fields and, and running backs, you know, this field shifted up quite a few guys shifted up three or four spots because we had some people that would have been, you know, if Mike Davis who we'll get to can finish his RB 12, if you give that same number of games and touches to Christian McCaffrey, I would wager he's higher than 12. We've seen that before Barkley, you know, you see where when Gallman finishes in the twenties, you give those same number of touches in games to Saquon Barkley. I bet he finishes higher than that because they're better talent. So those are the kind of maybe fluky things you can't tell. Josh Jacobs is fine. I just don't know that he's some people. It seemed like when he was coming out, thought he was going to be a surefire high end RB one was by far the best running back in the class. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why I'm I'm so sour on him because I felt like I was arguing about him not being that good quite often because I had Sanders and Montgomery ahead of him. It, it'll be interesting to see what, what the Raiders do this offseason. Obviously, there's all the rumors about either Carr or Mariota being traded. Obviously, I think if Carr stays there, that helps him out a lot. But as I said, this off, that offense was really good this last year. So if, he, if he's getting the touchdowns again because they're getting down into the red zone, he should produce again. Zeke Elliott comes in at nine. We all had him ranked at three. Obviously, he, if we're being honest, he was trending toward one, two, or three with Dak. Dak gets hurt, and his season took a nosedive, much like the rest of that Cowboys offense. The big question with Zeke is, are you selling on him now? I know yes. uh, Dennis brought up something Rich said earlier. Uh, I think he's one of the, if I remember correctly, because I did listen 
to that episode. He's one of the ones on on projection for being an outlier right now with the way the how many times he's finished as an RB one, which does not happen that often. So is it time to sell? And if you do sell now, you have to know that you're going to sell low because his the I guess the thought on him right now, like I got a twenty, I got the one one in 21 overall and a 2023 first round pick for him in a trade I made earlier this offseason for Zeke. And I feel like that was highway robbery with the way people view him right now. I, I would agree with that. I, I, I was calling to trade Zeke last offseason. Uh, I love him. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, probably has a, a couple more highly productive years left in him. Um but we see now, you know, Tyron Smith has gotten older. That Travis Frederick retired. Uh, that that uh, and Mike McCarthy is their coach. So that team is kind of a, a hot mess right now. And then they go out and draft a wide receiver with their 17th pick. So it's kind of all about the air show. Uh, to me, I, I feel like you. You know, the 101 and a 23 first, I agree with you. That was kind of highway robbery. So it, it's it's tough to turn that down um, when we we feel like Zeke is going to bounce back this year. We feel like he's got the talent. I, I don't – I'm not sold that Pollard is the heir apparent. I think Pollard kind of showed this year he's a compliment, not the heir apparent. So – as, as much as uh, I love Zeke, though, I, if you didn't sell him last offseason, uh, you, you may want to sell low this season just to take a shot on this class because, uh, you know, next week, next season, the 22 class doesn't look like it's going to be quite as good as the 21 class. Yeah, I, I think I would probably still try to move him because I'm not 100% sure they get Dak back, and if they don't, what are they doing and what does their offense? We saw that had a pretty big impact. It felt like on Elliot yeah. uh, that with the, along with the eroding offensive line that, that Dennis mentioned, those could be huge factors to consider. Um, you're talking about a back who's not getting any younger, who's got a lot of mileage on him, who also carries a pretty significant cap number in a year or so. Would it surprise anybody if they decide, you know, that they've got to make some moves? We've also, I, you know, it's quite possible too. Mike McCarthy's offense is not as friendly uh, to him. You know, some people may still believe he's going to bounce back and that his problems were elsewhere in the offense. It's possible part of those problems are the scheme. I, I do think he's going to. I don't know if I should say bounce back. I don't know if he gets to three. But I don't think he falls out of the top 12 again next year because I do think Dak will be back and that's going to help him. So I guess you're you're playing a game of roulette, though, here with him. Like it's it's one of those things where if you hold on to him and hope that he gives you like a couple good games and then you turn around and try and trade him, but that may also not happen for you. You may lose your window because even though the view on him is down now, I still think you can get at least a first out of somebody for him right now. And I think I would take that if I'm if I'm a Zeke owner. At number 10, Kareem Hunt, uh, we all had him ranked pretty low. I had him at 26, Dennis 28, Matt at 29. Uh, we all believed in Chubb, who came in at running back 11, missing six games as well. I had him at 8, Dennis and Matt both had him at 12. 
so Nick Chubb, I think, would have obviously been better than that had he not missed six games. And I feel like we really saw throughout the way the uh, the Browns season played, especially in the second half when they really started to get under and, and learn that Kevin Stefanski offense, Nick Chubb was the guy. They were not bringing Kareem Hunt on really until the fourth quarter to close out games. So knowing that going into next year, hopefully you'll have a whole offseason, possibly some preseason games to continue to integrate this offense. We know Chubb and Hunt will be back at least for the 2021 season. How do you view these two guys moving into the future? I think they are probably the top uh, one-two combo in the NFL in an offensive scheme that wants to run the ball. Uh, You know, Chubb has the breakaway speed that Hunt does not have. Uh, Hunt's a good back. Uh, Hunt may actually have a little better nose for the end zone uh, from in close. You know, we've seen Hunt. Uh, pound the ball in a couple times. He's just a little – he's slipperier in that tight space. Hunt's a better receiving back, but Chubb is no slouch uh, at catching the ball. Uh, I think it just come down to uh, this season. There were some times where Hunt just out of nowhere put up two touchdown games, and and that led to his – I think that led to his big fantasy season. Uh, I still have, I think Chubb is probably uh, one of the top two or three pure running backs in the NFL. Uh, And he's probably going to be around RB five or six for me in my rankings. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same hunt. I would probably still have him lower end RB two. I think that's six games missed by Chubb really, really flipped them. I mean, if on the flip side, you're looking at Chubb missed six games and still finished at RB 11, that should make you feel pretty good about him being a top end guy, especially in the offense they're running. Yep. Yeah, there's two running backs that missed a lot of games, and and their points per game, which I believe Dennis put on there for a guy we'll get to toward the end, who still produced very well, and then obviously Chubb who missed the six games and still came back. I agree. It's funny with Hunt because everybody was kind of – talking bad about him during that six game stretch because he wasn't putting up these massive numbers but yet he was finishing as like a top rb every single week he just wasn't giving you the big explosive runs yeah and touchdowns that chubb does so it's going to be interesting with those two guys moving forward matt had mentioned mike davis just a couple minutes ago he does come in as running back 12 none of us had him ranked we weren't expecting christian mccaffrey to get hurt does go out and have a fairly good season, really kind of trailed off toward the end. Uh, do you guys think he gets a shot anywhere in free agency, or is, is he a guy that you just kind of, like dynasty-wise, you're just like, I, I'm not even worried about him? Well, I'm not investing in him thinking he's got a two- to three-year window. I, I think that he's he's got a way, you know, the options that, that he has to weigh are, I can sign a two or three year contract with Carolina. And yes, I'm going to back up Christian McCaffrey, but they're probably going to, I've showed them that I'm, I'm worth playing. And so they're probably going to give me some decent playing time. I'm going to be in an offense. I know things are going to be stable. Uh, I can, you know, maybe play out the rest of my career. Um, how old, how old is Davis? Uh, he's going to be 27. Yeah, so twenty-eight when the season starts. So he he could he could you know kind of set up the end of his career. 
On the other hand, these guys are in the NFL because they're uber competitive. And so he's going to looking for the other side of the coin is where can he go and, and produce, get an opportunity to be the guy like he was this year. Uh, you know, Arizona maybe. That might be a good option for him. Um, but I don't know what is – I think re, wherever he goes, you're looking at one more year m- – maybe a year and a half before he's uh, out the door on the bench in a committee. Yeah. Well, and, you know, he started 12 games um, in, in a pretty decent offense only ends up with 642 rushing yards total. He kind of was buoyed a little bit by, uh, you know, he ends up with eight total touchdowns and ends up catching 59 passes on 70 targets. So for me, it's going to depend a little bit on where he goes. Also, what would give me a little bit of pause is that was by far the heaviest workload he's had in his career. And like you said, he started out pretty strong. And toward the back half of the season, he wasn't a reliable, you know, we're going to throw him in. He didn't have a single game where he even got to 90 yards rushing. Um yeah. You know, so what kind of opportunities if he's in a timeshare? We've seen him as a great fill-in. You know, if if he goes to a team where he ends up being somebody's backup, he's a great guy to throw in to fill in. I don't know if I'm thinking of him as being the guy. And yeah. you know, what kind of contracts and opportunities are going to get thrown out for a guy who's a 28 year old journeyman? He's going to probably be part of a rotation or a backup somewhere. That's where what he was in Seattle, then he went to Chicago. It was kind of the same thing. And when they felt confident about David Montgomery, they moved on from him. He goes to Carolina as kind of insurance against McCaffrey, ends up having a pretty good role. Uh, that's where I kind of see him going. Maybe a team that was dissatisfied with what they had behind a top guy. So running back 13 came uh, rookie Antonio Gibson, who we all had ranked fairly low. I had him at 40, Dennis 49, Matt at 45. A lot of that going to the fact they had like five guys in the rotation at that point. None of us had really thought Antonio Gibson was going to get the run. J.D. McKissick also comes in at running back 17. None of us had him ranked as well. Uh, I don't know. I believe McKissick is still under contract with them right now. So how do you expect these two guys to kind of go play moving forward? Obviously, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but they were both very effective for the the Washington football team going down the stretch. Well, I I think that McKissick has established himself uh, as a a quality receiving back that can get get you a yard here or there if you need it. So I feel like he's going to be the third down back. Gibson has that feature back size, and he's a good receiver. Uh, I I think it'll be a function of, well, let's keep Gibson fresh by letting McKissick play on some third downs, give McKissick some hurry-up offense, things like that. Uh, I feel like they'll coexist. McKissick is going to hurt Gibson a little bit from that aspect, especially in a PPR because – you know, a carry is not worth any points, but a catch is worth one. So I think McKissick kind of impacts Gibson there. But I, I still wouldn't be surprised if, you know, McKissick caught 45 balls and Gibson caught 35 balls. 
Yeah, I think they were a good tandem, and as long as they can both uh, stay healthy. I think a big question that we had, too, with Gibson was not just the committee that he seemed like he was potentially going to be a part of, but also we hadn't seen him carry that kind of a load week in, week out as a running back in college. So there were a lot of questions, could he do it? And I think he he exceeded a lot of people's expectations in that standpoint. I'm excited to see what he does in year two. I think they found something that really works with him and McKissick and that that'll be a part of their offense going forward. They developed kind of a, a fun offense, you know, depending on where they can get a quarterback, they could be a fun team to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see where I end up having Antonio Gibson coming in on my ranks because I'm I'm I liked what I saw out of him. I'm not sure where I'm going to put him yet, but I, I wouldn't imagine it's going to be much off from where he's at right now. We mentioned Naheem Hines earlier. He came in ranked uh, 15 this year. None of us had him ranked. We, as Dennis talked about earlier, we all expect him to have a, a continued role with this Colts offense. Maybe not at 15, but definitely continue to be good. Uh, the Matt's best friend here, Melvin Gordon, came in, though, at running back 14. Obviously, the injuries to Philip Lindsay did not help uh, as much as we thought. We all kind of had those two ranked fairly close together. Lindsay struggled a lot this year with injuries. I had him at 20, Dennis 23, and Matt 27. Matt, I'll let you take this one. Your thoughts on Melvin Gordon moving forward with the Broncos? Um, he has a big DUI reckless driving case that's going to be adjudicated this summer. I suspect four to six game suspension next year. So I would drop expectations a little bit. There's still rumblings here. They may outright release him. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I think he'll be fine. It depends on what's he going to, you know, where does he plea down the charge? How good's his lawyer? You know, if it ends up, you know, getting pled way down, the NFL could, you know, lessen the impact, uh, of any suspension based on uh, what he actually pleads guilty to. Um, I uh, Unfortunately for me, I feel like Philip Lindsay uh, doesn't quite have the, the body to withstand the beating he's taken the first couple years. Um, and I don't think he's as, quite as good a receiver. Um, as maybe you guys would like him to be. I think Lindsay is kind of moving more into a traditional backup role, or if let's say Gordon gets suspended for four games, I could see Lindsay come out hot for four games, but then kind of disappear after that and just be a, a support player. I'm not sure Lindsay's going to be back. He's a restricted yeah. free agent. I was expecting them to tender him, but he uh, put, the offensive coordinator on blast yesterday on the radio. Ah. Probably not, probably not the best move to make. I I would too. I mean, I honestly think their player rotation, their play calling was for shiz last year. Yeah. Uh, I also think Melvin Gordon is incredibly overrated. Well, Based by our ranking. So did all of us pretty much. So it's not, not like we necessarily disagreed with you. Uh, an interesting, uh, interesting, interesting two guys here. We just talked about Jaden McKissick. Easy came for in you 17. Clearly, it isn't. Kenyon Drake comes in though at sixteen. I had him at fourteen. Dennis eight. Matt at eleven. Likely will not get franchise tagged again here by Arizona. Your thoughts on him? Obviously, we've seen flashes. Looks like he can be a guy. I'm not sure he gets a shot anywhere. I, I just. I don't know what team's going to pay him to come in and be the guy, but I do think depending on where he goes, he still will retain some fantasy value. 
He's the new Mike Davis. I, yeah. I think that he showed uh, – he, he is exactly that. He, he gives you some flashes. He can be explosive. He can produce. Uh, and then he'll go three games and you don't hear a peep out of him. Uh, the cons- now, some of it, I think he was doing what the team was asking him to do. So there may be some of that there. But I, I feel like at this point in his career, if it was going to happen, it, 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 it would have happened already. I, I, I don't think we're in line for a, a Justin Forsett 27-year-old breakout season. Now, and, you know, he, he had probably a better year than you think of running, you know, 955 yards, 10, 10 touchdowns. What I what was surprising to me is they didn't throw to their running backs very much because you think about, like, David, what made David Johnson not just a good running back but kind of that elite running back was was being able to be a pass catcher. I think a lot of our ranking projections thought he'd be more involved in the passing game. Hard to know that Arizona's offense, too, at times looked great and at times looked like they didn't know what they were doing or didn't have a plan either. So how much of that factor into it? But he, I'm kind of with Dennis. I, it's hard to trust Kenyon Drake, we'll see where he ends up, what kind of opportunity he has. But I think he's going to be part of a committee no matter where he goes. It's even harder DeAndre's, to trust Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, you're not necessarily wrong there. DeAndre Swift comes in at 18. I had him at 27. Dennis, 31. Matt, 24. Obviously, the mixture of carry on Johnson and uh, who else did they have there at the time? Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, obviously kind of – we were not sure what we were going to get out of Swift. Now they bring over Dan Campbell, who is talking about him being his new Alvin Kamara. What are your takeaways from Swift? How high do you think he will rise next year in 21? Look, my penis can only get so erect, okay? So him being the new Alvin Mark, Kamara. Mark, this is not family-friendly now. Give me one second. I used the appropriate medical term. You know, and that's my one shout out to uh, Rick and Morty. I, I, do, oh, I don't I know much. I thought you were going to say that was your one shout out to your penis. No, no. Um, I think, uh, you know, if they, they're talking about putting Swift in the slot, using him like Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think that that is exciting. I think Swift, not quite as, as big as Kamara. Um, but he's he's very dynamic, very explosive, almost two. Well, he's he's only like five or six pounds lighter than Kamara, and maybe an inch shorter. So he he he's got what it takes when it comes to uh, being able to play that role. Probably, I'm almost as excited to uh, think about what Carryon Johnson could be in the Latavius Murray role. You know, could he produce RB3 numbers and be flex-worthy on a weekly basis if he's playing that uh, Latavius Murray role in that Saints-style offense? Yeah, I mean, I think our question going into last year was would they let him be the guy with everyone that they had? You know, and when they did, they had good results. The biggest question now is not is he going to be the guy because Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn, they seem excited to have him. It's what did trading Matthew Stafford and potentially having no wide receivers 
due to kind of defense he faces to the, to the kind of success they have on offense. You know, he could vault up into RB1. He could stay right around where he is right now, depending on, you know, we've, we saw years of liking the talent and the opportunity for Joe Mixon, but seeing him, you know, stuck in kind of a an RB2 role because they didn't have a good enough team around him. Yeah. I'm I'm excited, obviously, to see where he goes up. He was he was my running back one coming into the year. I was thrilled to see him getting the ball as much. It was it I think would have been interesting had he not dropped that touchdown earlier in the year. Had like maybe if he would have continued to break or if he would have broken out earlier in the year. But I, I'm with Dennis. I'm excited to see what he does and, and really carry on. Can carry on kind of rebound some of his value he had earlier on. Uh, so let's see here who is up next. Sorry, I was trying to send somebody copy of that so that puts us at chris carson number 19 we're going to try and get through the top 24 here so chris carson at 19 i had him at 16 dennis 15 and matt hit him right on the head there at 19 going to be a free agent doesn't sound like seattle is likely going to bring him back i still think carson has a lot of value obviously he's dealt with injuries the past couple years he's a guy that i thought dennis mentioned atlanta earlier for aaron jones Chris Carson, I think, would be a great fit there in Atlanta as well in that offense. And a guy that I don't think would cost that much money either would probably fit that cap. Uh, Dennis, you've been probably one of the biggest Carson supporters that I know of. So what are your thoughts on him moving into 21? You know, changing offenses is always a challenge. uh, But much like coming into the NFL and producing immediately, uh, for running backs, it's a little bit easier. I, I love the thought of Carson going to uh, Atlanta. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to cut Gurley. Gurley's dead. Uh, well, he was Hill on the one-year and, contract. Yeah. Okay, so they're not going to re-sign him. Uh, they're, they're Edo Smith and, and uh, Brian Hill. I think Hill might be a free agent. And, and my guy, Quadri Allison, uh, don't figure to be the long-term – uh, solutions. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, if the um, Falcons bring in three free agent running backs to fill out that running back room, just to try to get something in there cheap that they can get by for that that can be decent for you know the last two or three years of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Maybe there's your Mike Davis landing spot. Yeah, it could be. Ooh. Be a great backup to. Chris Carson. <laughs> he was. Uh, so let's see. He was. Yeah, that's very true. Now, I'm going to limp, uh, limp, not limp, lump these two together as we have some of the other ones. Obviously, Super Bowl champion Ronald Jones. I mean, look, look, I said he was going to be great. Only took him f- eight years, it feels like, or four to get here, but finally finishes as an RB2, finishes as RB20. I'm 34, Dennis 35, Matt at 28, and then Leonard Fournette, who signed in the offseason, finished his RB35. We all expected him to be the start. No, that's right. We did this when he was still with Jacksonville, so we can't even say that we expect him to be the starter. I had him at 22 with Jacksonville. Uh, Dennis had him at 11. Matt had him at 13. Fournette is going to be a free agent. I believe so is Ronald Jones. Do you think Tampa Bay brings back one or both? I know Bruce Arians went on like a profanity-filled uh, talk about how they're running it back and bringing everybody back. Don't know if that's realistic, but what are your thoughts on those two guys moving forward? Well, 
Nothing tastes quite as sweet as victory. And when you're sitting on the edge of a repeat with the allegedly greatest quarterback to ever play the game, and you just came off of a Super Bowl championship, it's easy to get swept up in and say, well, we'll take a little bit less uh, because winning titles feels good. I could see them bringing back one of them. I could see them bringing back both of them. Um, I could see them eschewing either and going with Keyshawn Vaughn next year. You know, that's you, you don't know. It, they're all drunk on power right now. So I would love I to know. see. I feel like uh, Bruce Harians hates Keyshawn Vaughn. So I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, Historically, he though, Arians hates rookies. It isn't yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn. Sure. Arians historically just doesn't play rookies. Uh, it was rare that he played David Johnson, and some of that may have had to do that David Johnson was a 24-year-old rookie, not a 21-year-old rookie, or in Ronald Jones's case, a 16-year-old rookie. Um, for my part, I think that they will end up bringing back Jones because I don't think he's going to have quite as premium of a market because people don't – think of him the same way that they think of Fournette. I think Fournette's going to get some kind of premium offer, especially, you know, he had a better showing in the Super Bowl. I thought Jones was the better running back during the season. Yeah. His numbers kind of bear that out. I think Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn would be fine. We saw that be sufficient uh, for a couple of games when they were short in there during the season. I think he's probably the more likely to go back and Fournette's the more likely to get an offer to go somewhere else. Yeah, some someone's yeah, gonna buy all in on getting an offer Lenny. he can't refuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lombardi Lenny. Yeah, nah, Super it's, Bowl it's MVP Rob Lenny. The question yeah. is, where is the Lashawn McCoy going? Because that's who we should start putting money on. As the Super I told Bowl you, favorite. Cleveland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Bring us the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll, you know, do everything I can to get you into the Hall of Fame after you bring a ring to Cleveland. Next up. 21, David Johnson ended up having a pretty good year. And for a guy that was really uh, counted down and out, Dennis nailed it right on the head with 21. Matt had him at 24. I had him at 30. Uh, As Dennis put in his notes here, he missed four games, but still finished his RB 16 with points per game. So that speaks to how good he really was this year on a really bad Texans offense as well. I mean, I I remember when we talked about him in the offseason, Dennis, this is the area you thought he was going to be, right around that running back too. You thought he was going to have value as a guy who's getting drafted. is like, I'm pretty sure like an RB4 in startups last year as well. Yeah. You got him as an RB4 this year as well. What are your thoughts about him uh, moving into 21? You know, I feel like he's going to be, he's got a good couple years left of that RB. Low-end low RB2, RB3 production in him with some spike games uh, of RB1. That being said, he's likely to also have some zero-point games uh, or, or low-point games because he only rushes for you know 37 yards and doesn't get into the end zone. Uh, I, I, like, I drafted him as RB45 in, in a draft right now. He's my RB4 in, in a startup. And I honestly was delighted to grab him there. I felt like he's going to give me RB2. If I had to average it out over two seasons, I feel like I'm probably going to get about RB30 production over the next two seasons 
uh, out of David Johnson. And drafting him as RB45, uh, you know, I'll take that kind of value. He's a good pass catcher. He's a solid runner. He can block. Uh, you know, he's getting a little older, and when you get a little older, the injuries take their toll. You know, I busted up my toe today and felt like I was dragging a club foot around all day. So but getting old kind of sucks that way. I think I would believe David Johnson kind of what Dennis is talking about, that that RB2, you know, French RB2, RB3 range, except for I still want to see what happens to Houston because if Deshaun Watson goes and that entire endeavor craters, I don't know that David Johnson is still good enough right now to carry that team. You know, there's still a lot of questions, and that's the unfortunate part. Um, but, you know, where you're getting him at RB4 value seems great because the potential upside there is what we saw, RB21, you know, low end RB2. I just – he there are a few situations on here where it's not the play, just the player and their ability. It's the entire situation that could yeah. have big impacts. Yeah, I want to see if they're if they're going to end up drafting a running back as well. But if they don't, David Johnson, I think, can retain some of his value, just like Dennis was mentioning. Uh, RB22 was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I had him at 13. Both of you had him at 16. We didn't expect him to have a, a huge year here. Obviously, the injury played into some of that as well. Got pretty banged up toward the end of the year. However, Damian Williams has opted back in. They seem excited to be getting him back. I think that this is moving more toward a committee with what Damian Williams did the year before and what we saw out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think both are going to be fantasy viable, but I honestly think I, I see Edwards-Hilaire kind of finishing in this 16-22 to 22 range next year as well with Damian Williams coming back. Dennis, what do you take away from CEH? I mean, how can a committee move any closer to being a committee? Uh, I think that's just kind of how they run it. Uh, none of the guys on the team – Sands Love Bell at his peak have, you know, Shady McCoy at his peak ability. They want to talk about, well, Andy Reid always, you know, uses a committee. Now, the players dictate whether or not it's a committee or whether or not you have a feature back. You know, LaShawn McCoy dictated that there was no committee. Young Love Bell dictated that there was no committee. Damian Williams and now CEH, I don't think either one of them are dictating that there's no committee. So there will be a split. It'll come down to what it is. But we saw Daryl Williams come in and outproduce Love Bell down the stretch and in the playoffs. So it's a, it's a situation where I think Edwards Alaire leads the committee, gets the most touches, may even get the most targets and catch the most passes but will probably only play 55, 60% of the snaps at the, at the most. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. When when people were, were drafting and he came out, a lot of people thought he, he was going to be the second coming of Kareem Hunt. And I don't think any of us thought it was, you know, we're that bullish. He only played 13 games, but he had by far the most, most carries. He had 120 more carries than the next closest competitor. He had by far the most targets. And you see kind of where, where he shakes out. That probably is where he shakes out, you know, again, 
next year. And we've seen, you know, Damian Williams in particular, in my opinion, is a really streaky player. And sometimes when he's riding a real hot streak, yeah. the, the Chiefs are leaning on him. And then he has a cold streak and you see them lean on somebody else. I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of it. You know, you have these two guys, but you're also seeing a hot hand situation, which might be a nightmare for fantasy. These next two guys, I think, are real bounce back candidates here. 23 was Miles Sanders. I had him at six, uh, Dennis at 10, Matt at nine. Obviously, the just horrible season the Eagles had. Carson Wentz completely bombing this entire offense and coaching staff bombing. We know they've got a new head coach in there, new offensive coordinator. Likely, Carson Wentz is going to be moved. I guess, in a way, that is a plus for Miles Sanders because he played much better with Jalen Hurts, and it looks like Jalen Hurts will be the quarterback, at least the starting quarterback, if they move on from Carson Wentz. Where would you move Miles Sanders, or where do you think you'd have him, and what are your out? What is your outlook on him in twenty one, Matt? Yeah. So there's another they're they're changing schemes too. So did he look better with Hertz? Yeah, but what offense are they gonna play? Is Hertz really the guy? Um, the other thing I think we have to keep in mind with Miles Sanders is is he what how many games are we gonna see? He played eleven starts as a rookie. He made eleven starts this second year. Um, he had fewer carries but had better yardage, was more efficient. He had fewer targets and receptions, hurt him a little bit. The offense in general was hurt a little bit. Do the Eagles move and get some better receivers? You know, what does that do? Does that open up running lanes? Um, I also have a little bit of a moment of pause when they're talking about trading Carson Wentz. A couple of the deals have referenced getting a running back in return which kind of makes you think that they plan to use a, a grouping. You know, Sirianni was the offensive coordinator for the Colts, and we saw at, at times, you know, a lot of rotation using two or three guys there. Sometimes it was hard for somebody to get hot and get established. I like Miles Sanders' talent, but there's still probably a lot of questions in his situation. Dennis? Yeah. I think that's, uh, unfortunately for me, uh, I, I think that's probably an accurate assessment of the situation. Uh, I, I traded, made a trade earlier towards the end of last season. I traded away in a 16-teamer. I traded away Jonathan Taylor and Edward Zolaire for DJ Chark, Miles Sanders, and the 109. Um, well, I'm not upset about trading away Allaire. I kind of I kind of missed uh, Jonathan Taylor right now. Yeah, I think anybody would be missing Jonathan Taylor. Uh, last uh, but not least here, J.K. Dobbins coming in at running back 24. I had him at 37, Dennis 42, Matt at 34. That was because we all expected Mark Ingram to be the lead running back there, and he was for the most part, uh, but he finished as a running back 77 as he was pretty much in a healthy and active throughout the second half of the season. We all had him ranked in the 20s. I had him at 21, 24, 26. I'm going to group these two together. Dobbins obviously looks to be the future there. I'll be curious to see if they bring back Gus Edwards or if they allow it to be more of a committee between Dobbins and Justice Hill, who I think is also still a very good pass-catching running back. But Dobbins, I think, is shooting way up. I think he's going to be just like Jonathan Taylor was this year, that guy who finishes right around that 12 mark, and I expect him to be drafted that way. Mark Ingram, I think if he still – plays is likely at best a backup. Dennis, what is your takeaway from these two guys? Well, I am a uh, 
huge fan of J.K. Dobbins, uh, obviously being an Ohio State uh, fan. You know, Justice Hill and J.K. Dobbins are smaller backs, and I think um, Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards give them some beef that, that you don't get from Dobbins and Hill. I, I can see them letting both of those go depending on how a deep, deep, deep stash performed uh, during the season while he was on the practice squad. There's a cat named Tyson Williams out of, let's see, he started at South Carolina and ended up at BYU. It's pretty explosive, six foot, 220. If he can provide that big back that they need, him and, and the fullback Ricard, then I don't see any reason why they would bring back uh, Ingram or Gus Edwards unless it's purely out of we're comfortable with these guys and we, we feel like we need to have that depth. Um, I think Edwards is much more likely to be the guy that comes back than Ingram is. Uh, but I feel like Dobbins is, is going to be the guy this year. And provided he doesn't get injured, he's got the pass catching ability. He's got the explosiveness. Uh, he runs the ball well enough in that wide open offense. That RPO offense was made for Dobbins. It's what he played in college. And I think he'll uh, explode onto the scene this year. Yeah, I don't think they're going to bring back Ingram. I think, you know, there was a pretty stout farewell there. A lot of his teammates gave him, you know, signed stuff. I think they all know that his his time with Baltimore is over, and that would make sense. He really got phased out, like you said, the second half. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they bring back Edwards and if not him to either draft somebody or bring somebody else in. I do think Hill will still be part of the mix. We've seen them use three, four, five guys at running back position. They are a high-volume rushing offense. It doesn't seem like they intend to change that much. I think Dobbins is going to be the best of those backs, and I would elevate him quite a bit, probably over 24. I don't know if I'm putting him into RB1 because at the same time, I I just don't think that it's the way Baltimore runs offense that they're willing to commit to a guy being the guy. All right, so that is our top 24. Me and Matt will likely recap or talk about the more important guys uh, on Monday's episode to finish up the running backs. There's a lot of guys in the second half here that don't really probably have much of an NFL future, so we won't focus on those guys. But there are a lot of guys, Eckler. We still haven't had a chance to talk McCaffrey, Barkley, the guys who got injured, so we'll definitely touch on all of those guys. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there. It seems like a lot of people are about to get hit with a, a winter apocalypse here in the next couple days. Uh, so stay safe, stay warm, and we will talk to you guys again on Monday. Have a good weekend. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!